Hi, and welcome to The Strad Podcast. I'm Davina Shum, I'm a cellist, and I'm the online editor at The Strad. You've got a few more days to enjoy our New Year online subscription discount. Until the 31st of January, you can get 20% off an online subscription to The Strad using the code PODCAST2022. Delve into the archives from 2010 onwards on any device and start reading right away. Check the show notes for the link. And now... Joining me today is violinist Sean Lee. If you've been keeping an eye on the Strad website lately, you would have noticed that we premiered a video of him performing Paganini's Caprice Number no. 5. Since then, he's embarked on the mammoth task of performing all the Paganini Caprices in one concert. He's been performing this around the US recently, and the project is culminating in a concert for the Chamber Music Society of the Lincoln Center in New York. We had a chat recently about how he prepares performing the Caprices, comparing the solo version with Robert Schumann's piano accompaniment version, as well as where the challenges lie for Sean. Here he is. Sean, welcome to the Strad Podcast. Thank you. It's delightful to have you here today, and we're going to be talking about the Paganini Caprices, which you're going to be performing on the 27th of January for the Chamber Music Society of the Lincoln Centre, the first time it's been done in its 52-year history. So quite a momentous task. So first of all, I just wanted to get your insights as to why you decided to take on this project? Well, the first idea for actually performing the Caprices just came to me as I was practicing. Um, I studied with Ruggiero Ricci in my teenage years, and he was the first to record them in 1947, and uh, he played them all his life. Personally, when I when I studied them with him, and, and also for several years after that, I, I just thought of it as a way to expand my technique and, and develop my violin playing. So I didn't really have the intent of taking them on stage or, or even doing the complete 24 caprices. But one morning as I was practicing, the idea just came to me, you know, hey, you've, you've worked on these for several years. And uh, it's pretty incredible to be able to, to perform as a solo violinist uh, without even the need for a piano. And maybe it's time to to start playing them for audiences um, alone because I know them. And so I, I started this project of my YouTube series, Paganini POV. Along the way, just out of curiosity, I was listening to various recordings and came across a recording of the Paganini with the Schumann piano parts. I never knew they existed and I thought it was so exciting because I love Schumann. And so when I discovered that, I felt better about performing them complete for a live audience uh, because I personally, I, I find the idea of, of listening to solo violin for about an hour and a half to be a little <laughs> fatiguing to the ear. Um, so knowing that the Schumann parts existed, I felt like, hey, this, this is a bit more colorful. There's just more going on as an audience experience. I thought it would be more enjoyable than just the solo version, which I have done once, but I, I like this idea a bit more for, for the audience. 
by performing the version with the Schumann accompaniment in collaboration with your pianist, Peter Dugan. Mm -hmm. It becomes like chamber music in a way, doesn't it? How do you feel when you're performing this version compared to the solo violin version? Do you feel like it's less exposed, less scary in a way? There's just something about Schumann's expert harmonization. I think the caprices are totally up his alley in the sense that he just wrote such incredible character pieces. These caprices really are character pieces as well. So I feel more energized and and inspired, really, just to play musically, which is uh, something that, you know, when you're playing solo, it, it can be sort of dominating this idea of playing it as best as you can. So when you have this music to play with, it kind of takes some of that pressure off and puts me in a more musical place. I find actually when I rehearse with Peter, I tend to overplay because I'm, I'm completely ignoring the technical aspect. I'm just playing out and I'll find afterwards I'm exhausted because I've been kind of carried away musically. You mentioned overplaying and being really, really exhausted. And you also mentioned it takes about an hour and a half to play. Tell me about your preparation approaches you know how do you work your way up to perform them all in one concert you've got to sort of have a a dedicated strategy for that right yes it's one of the tricky things to navigate when I think of marathon runners for example (laughs) there's so many roadmaps out there that are designed by people who have gone there before you and they lay out a kind of program that you can follow and trust in, in in the sense of if you follow it and you can make it, then uh, most likely you're going to finish your marathon. But with the caprices, there isn't really anything like that. So it's always a bit of experimentation. Like you said, the, the main thing is this sense of athleticism and conditioning that is so beyond what's normal in, in violent performance. So I definitely approach the physical conditioning aspect with a bit of intensity that I normally don't need to. It's sort of like going to the gym, you know, you show up, you do your workout, and you're, you're essentially putting stress on your body and you recover and you come back a bit stronger. I have to navigate that with a, a bit of It's a combination of self-awareness and just trust in experience uh, because sometimes I might not be feeling so great, but just from experience, I know, hey, the right thing to do today is to to play and and to work. And other times I might be feeling okay, actually, but I know, okay, yesterday I did this and that, and today the right thing to do is to to cool it and take it easy. You know, you have to listen to your body and and also just do what you think is is going to get you in shape. And I think that is valuable in itself, isn't it? Being aware of your various mindsets that you're feeling on each day because Mm -hmm. you don't necessarily know how you're going to wake up on the day of the concert and feel, you know, maybe it's going to be one of those days where you don't feel great or maybe it's going to be one of those days, as you mentioned before, that you do need to cool it. But Having that flexibility um, in your practice, I think, is is very valuable. How many times will you get to do the program in its entirety before you do it in New York? Let's see. By the time we do New York, that will be number six for me. So (laughs) 
I've done it three times, and uh, we have one. We have a couple in Florida before we play in New York City. So it's pretty incredible to to think I've <laughs> done it that many times. But at the same time, uh, when you think of people who play the Tchaikovsky Concerto, how many times? Uh, six times is it's not a whole lot either. When I look back, I, I always think of ways in which to improve. So there's that sense of experimentation still in preparing for it and, and hoping that it's an, the revamped method of preparation will lead to a better performance than mm -hmm. the previous ones as well. Absolutely. Learning from each performance as you go along. Mm -hmm. You've just kind of got to do it. And that's the only way to get better and, and to also enjoy the process as well. Like you say, going to the gym and you just incrementally get better and better and, until you get to that point where oh, this is something that I can do now. It's my job as a violinist. Mm -hmm. Do you have any particular rituals before you go on stage? You know that you're going to be playing for an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if you have an interval or take a break, but mm -hmm. what do you do before you go on stage in terms of preparation, whether mental or physical? On the day of, I, I try to keep the playing a bit light just to preserve the physical and the mental energy required on stage. The adrenaline, of course, gives you a boost, so I don't feel the need to hold back so much. I can basically trust that I'll be getting through it and I'll be there for it. Sometimes I like to do various other things throughout the day, things unrelated to the violin, basically. Something to distract you to an extent, I imagine, right? Yes, yes, yeah, because uh, I don't want to spend the day kind of thinking too much about everything. When I go on stage, I'm, I'm basically taking a small leap of faith and uh, trusting my, my preparation. And uh, leading up to that, I just want to eat a good meal and uh, yeah. have the fuel and, and take it easy as far as violin playing goes. No, that's very, very well said. I, th I like what you said about it is a leap of faith because that's what, you know, we get nervous before performances, but you have to trust that your preparation has been adequate and mm -hmm. trust that when you get out there, you'll know exactly what to do. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to ask you, what would be the most challenging caprice for you? I know that there are such a wide range of styles and moods, but what has been your most challenging one to tackle? Let's see. That's a good question. I think... All of them. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Now, uh, well, I find the, the first eight to be just one after the next extra demanding. And the nice thing about playing the, the complete 24 is that the first half is more difficult than the second half. So you can kind of look forward to the second half yeah. being a bit more about just entertainment of course they're all difficult but you have the the more difficult ones behind you by that point but i would say number eight i think number eight is the one in which it just took me the longest period of time to get to a sense of feeling like i know how to play it what does number eight involve in particular because I'm a cellist so I'm not hugely familiar with the oh, Paganini compressors. <laughs> there are just a lot of double stops and drones to hold while while playing moving notes with other fingers and oh. uh, <laughs> there's some stretches that are really quite ridiculous and 
things are just a little off. Actually, a lot of it is made up of pretty standard technique, but the ways in which it branches out are very unusual and, and just unique and very uncomfortable. <laughs> Maybe it doesn't help that as a solo performance, it's musically not so inspiring. <laughs> Uh, I say um, compared oh, right. to the others, so uh, <laughs> I, I think maybe that contributed to the difficulty, you know, because the other ones, when when the music is so fantastic, you can work on it and get musically into it, and and it keeps you going. Uh, but this one, it, it feels a bit like a slog, and you know, <laughs> it really feels like a true etude that isn't necessarily musically that fun to play but with the piano part it's much better at least but then as you say you know the first eight you get those out of the way you know the first third and then you can just sort of coast and and sort of enjoy a little bit more so Mm -hmm. at least you can take solace in the fact that once number eight's over it's i'm not going to say smooth sailing but smoother right (laughs) sailing perhaps Mm -hmm. fantastic well sean thanks so much for sharing your thoughts on the paganini caprices Mm -hmm. and all the best for your marathon performance my pleasure and thanks so much thank you that was violinist sean lee He'll be performing all 24 Paganini Caprices with pianist Peter Dugan, as mentioned earlier, for the Chamber Music Society of the Lincoln Centre on the 27th of January. Right now, you're listening to Sean and Peter play Caprice number 21. And don't forget to head to our website, thestrad.com, to check out the latest news and articles on all things to do with string playing. If you like what you see and hear, register and subscribe to access exclusive archival content from 2010 onward. We've got 50% off an online subscription for students, but if you're not a student, you can get 20% off an online subscription using the code PODCAST2022 until 31st of January. And if you're not ready to subscribe, take out a free trial for seven days. Start reading right away. No strings attached. Also, if you happen to be on Apple Podcasts right now, give us a little review or rating. Thanks for listening and tune in again soon for another episode. Take good care. Bye.